they've had. Today, in, after service, uh, over in the cafe area where you get your coffee and drinks and everything, uh, there's some snacks, and you get to say goodbye to Pastor Michael. He leaves today uh, after service. He'll be jetting home uh, up to uh, Springfield, Eugene, Oregon area. Uh, just a lovely young man. Um, well, you know, he's, now that he's leaving, his, he's kind of getting a little cocky, and, <laughs> and uh, his, his, he's, he's, he's writing, he, he, his mouth is writing checks that his body can't cash. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he, he, he took on Dustin last night, a bunch of these silly video games, sorry students, um, and said, I'll beat you in this game and that game and the other game, and he got whooped bad time by Dustin. <laughs> I just, uh, if I can say it, he cleaned his clock. We were in staff meeting this last week, and we were talking, I don't know how we ever got on talking about golf, but um, Michael said that in a year he could beat me. Now, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm all right. I can swing a club, but golf is a stinking hard game. If you've ever played, it looks easy, but it's, you know, the, the ball's just sitting there. It's a, it's a hard game. So I told him, I said, listen, I don't care if Jack Nicholas is your coach. You're not going to beat me in here. So we've got kind of this little thing going on. So um, I, I just thought about this because we have our men's tournament at the end of this month. Guys, don't forget to sign up for that. We're going to have a co-ed tournament later. But um, I thought about flying him down just to get a little glimpse of what real <laughs> golf is like. Because uh, in a year, you know, he's probably going to have to buy me dinner or something because I don't think he can do it. He's, he's just never played before. So, but do listen, we love Michael, and make sure that at the end of service, you go in there, greet him, and express your love and appreciation for the last year. Uh, next week, next Sunday, after uh, third service, shortly thereafter, we're going to have tacos with Terry. This is an opportunity, if you've been in Creekside for probably less than a year, year or so, and, or maybe we've never met. There's people here who have been here three or four years I've never met. Um, you, you come, sign up, and uh, we'll have more tacos than you can ever eat. And for one hour, we'll eat, and then we'll introduce you to our staff, and uh, then we'll just take a few minutes to say, here's a couple of things that Creekside is all about, and kind of do an introductory thing. So that's going to be at our house. Sign up, and we'll send you the information you'll need. I want you to pray with me. I want to just, uh, I want to thank God for his goodness toward us, and his grace upon us, and the love that he continually expresses to this body of believers. Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. And Lord, I, I get to pinch myself at least a few times a month as I look around and see the things that you're doing in our midst. And I thank you for that. Pray, Lord, that you would bless today and you'd speak to us and challenge us and continue, Lord, to move us, Lord, towards your heart. And, Lord, that's to reach the lost, and that's to, um, Lord, bless people, and, and, Lord, let them see the grandeur and the greatness of who God is. So let, that, let, let this morning be another building block, and that I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I forgot, um, I don't usually forget, but I, I want to say thank you to every one of you that served last week at Easter. Uh, you, you did an incredible job. Here's what I hear over four services. Oh, boy, your church is so hospitable. You're so warm. You're so wonderful. Oh, the children's ministry is great. We love it. You know, our kids love it. And then, you know, oh, the music. Whew. 
how do you guys do that? Oh, year after year, your music is so good. So, uh, and, and I don't want to list too many things, otherwise I could go on, but your hospitality uh, at the barbecue, you just did an incredible job. And uh, would you just give yourselves a hand? Thank you. Because as we always say, it's not about our, it's not about really our seating capacity, it's about our serving and sending. And you are incredible. As a matter of fact, uh, we had a memorial service yesterday for uh, Al Lexi, just a wonderful, wonderful Creeksider. And um, uh, we were expecting about 250, and I think we ended up with about 400, 450. So again, our Creekside team was incredible because all of a sudden, uh, you're moving people around, and we're moving to multi-purpose, the family room and the nursery, and hooking up the, uh, the TVs and, and making it so people can enjoy the service. So... Great job. Uh, I'm pr so proud to be a part of this community. Thank you for, for serving with such large hearts. Uh, this morning, uh, we don't do this. You know I don't give up a lot of Sunday services. Uh, in recent years, I've probably done a few more because I've wanted to introduce you to some of my open Bible friends, our denominational friends that I work with on the missions board, that I work with um, other pastors on our Pacific uh, region on the West Coast. And I just believe that we're at a place in the life of our church where you need to really know and have some connection to who we are. Uh, we haven't had missionaries here for a Sunday morning, I think, for three or four or five years. And, um, and there's a lot of reasons for all of that. But uh, I'm excited today to introduce you to the Welch family. Um, as you know, I'm on the missions board, so I get the privilege of interviewing, and then we make decisions to send people and this is a young family that we get to send to Liberia, West Africa. And um, <clears throat> first of all, what impressed me was just the quality of their lives and the passion of their heart for the people that they're going to go uh, see, speak to and live with in, in Liberia, West Africa. And I wanted you just to hear some of their story. So we're going to get to do that uh, today. And one of the things about Liberia, West Africa for me is... Uh, there was a, a missionary couple named Ron and Jereen Snyder. They were there back in the 70s. And I think it was 1976, I was, Trina and I were helping them pack barrels. And uh, this is before we were even married, but we were friends, and we were helping them pack, pack barrels in their basement to go back to Liberia. And uh, Ron and Jereen just looked at me, and they gave me the ugliest blanket in the whole wide world. <laughs> and they said, here, we want you to have this to remember that we believe in a year and a half you're going to be in Bible college. And I thought, well, you're crazy. Because I just, I, I, was, I wanted to become a basketball coach. And um, so a year and a half later, guess where I was? I was in Bible college, and 40 years later, here we are. And uh, so for me, there's kind of this connection with Liberia that is such a blessing. So I want you to welcome these young couple, this young family, that probably in the fall will be heading to Liberia, West Africa. Would you welcome the Welches? Good morning. We are so excited, so blessed to be with all of you. It's always a, it's a pleasure to meet our Open Bible family. We itinerated in the East region in the fall, and we've been in the Pacific region here uh, in the spring. And it's something that I've grown 
to appreciate and grown to love. I'm kind of like, Lord, I was, I'm just, can't we just go straight to Liberia? You know, can't we just go? And, but the Lord's been working on my heart, you know, in this, this process of going and visiting. It's the way that God next, networks us in the kingdom for his purposes and for his glory. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here. And I'm blessed uh, to share with you just what God's doing in our lives, the call in our lives. And I wanted to start by reading a verse um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as I was thinking about this, 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 uh, this just this, during praise and worship and this morning, um, sometimes it's good to just remember where God has brought us from. To rehearse that, you know, Israel was always so quick to forget where God had, what he had done for them in times past. And that just floored this, this morning in the second praise and worship service, uh, just being reminded of where God has brought me from. And I want to share that with you, and I'll, I'll lead into the call. But, you know, I, w- I was born into a rich family heritage. My grandparents were missionaries in Liberia for 27 years. My aunt and uncle were in Guinea, West Africa, um, Tom and Sherry Moore. I was born into a rich family heritage. I grew up hearing the word, hearing stories about missions. But from the time I was a small boy, God's hand was on me. And I don't think it's anything you know, about me, but he's the one that does the choosing. He's the one that does the calling, and he has a plan for my life just like he has a plan for your life. And I just want to share some of that to you just to declare the praises of God, the praises of the Lord of what he's done. And, uh, you know, at, I was about four years old. God allowed me to see angels out the side of uh, the vehicle. And um, shortly thereafter, God spoke to me. I was actually at my grandparents' house, Bob and Evelyn Welch, on the left there. And God spoke to me, even before I really had prayed a prayer, you know, God come into my heart, take over all of that, that my dad was going to be in a car accident. And I told my grandparents that my dad was going to be in his truck, and he's going to be upside down like this. And my grandparents said, let's pray. And they prayed. And my dad called about an hour later. He had been driven off the road by a tractor-trailer truck. His truck had tumbled down the hill, and it ended up upside down. I don't know how I heard that. I don't know, but I heard it. God is able to speak to us. And from the time I was a small boy, praise and worship was always real important to me, always just real passionate about that. At six, seven years old, I would lay on my bed and just sing songs to the Lord, and his presence would come and fill the room. And um, just something special, you know, about that. I had tasted and seen that the Lord was good from a young age. But my life kind of reflected my parents' life, and they were kind of up and down in their faith. And in my high school years, I turned away from the Lord because we didn't find a church that we felt fit, you know, fit our family, you know. And so I developed some bondages in my life. You know, language was an issue. I developed issues with lust. I was addicted to pornography and all kinds of anger issues. You know, and I'm just so thankful, and I won't get graphic, but I know the darkness that God has called me out of to declare his marvelous light. And each and every one of us, you know, when we think about what God's done for us, how he's changed our lives, if you've accepted the Lord, it's just amazing. It's amazing. We owe everything to him. We owe everything to him. 
And as he died for us, we're to, to, to die to self. I've been crucified with Christ. And so our story is just one of stepping into what God has for us, his leading, his guiding. It's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's not about my kids. But it's about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in us and through us. And so after I rededicated my life to the Lord in, in college in, in 98, it was in March of 2000, where the Lord was like, you are going to preach my gospel. And I was like, not me, Lord. Uh, I, this is the last place I want to be up here speaking. That's just not me. The first time that I preached, I actually passed out and knocked over the podium. Uh, ambulance came to the church and, uh, and everything. But I stood up and I finished my message because I knew that was what God had called me to do. I don't know about you. I mean, my wife always knew that she wanted to be a teacher. Sometimes she was like in third grade. There was something inside of me that I've always known that God has called me to share the gospel. So I got up and shared. It doesn't surprise me that I passed out. That's my flesh. That's me in my human nature. But by the Spirit of God, I shall stand up and I will share that which he has called me to do. And that's to declare the word of the, word of the Lord, to declare the goodness of God. So anyway, I, I knew the call was there and I kind of jumped ahead to when I passed out. But, um, and my, my family that were there recording everything, like, well, you don't start out any lower than the ministry than that. And I'm like, well, kind of got me there. But um, anyway, my, my grandfather, I was impressed to have him go uh, pray for me. It was in, uh, in around 2006, and he laid his hands on me, laid his forehead on my forehead, and he prayed this prayer like Elijah to Elisha, this mantle of impartation. And I remember at that time thinking, there's no way I can you know, fulfill what my grandparents did, and in and of myself, I can't do it. You know, it has to be the Lord. You know, anything that we're doing, it better be the Lord. You know, we want to build with those precious stones that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, not building with wood, hay, and stubble. What we think is good or we think is right or trying to do something for the Lord, we want to do what God has called us to do. Jesus said that he only shared those things that God put in his heart to share. He only did those things that God told him to do. And so that's really our heartbeat is wanting to get in line with God and what he has for us. And so... Um, it was sometime later, I was visiting with some Liberians in, in Mississippi. They had a reunion. They had come from, from Africa, um, had gotten their American citizenship. They had formed a nonprofit. And uh, um, the Lord woke me up. It was about 3, 3.30 in the morning. And I began studying and just waiting upon the Lord. And his presence just filled the room. And as I was studying, my studies for that day were in the book of Second Kings, which is about Elisha's mantle, Elijah's mantle being passed to Elisha. And I knew God was going to do something that day. I actually called my wife. She wasn't there. And I said, God is going to do something today. I don't know if I have to preach, if I'm supposed to pray for somebody. I don't know what it is. But I'm not going to say a word. Because I didn't want to be the one to open the door. I wanted God to be open the door. And during their business meeting, out of nowhere, they asked me to come on as a board member. And uh, I took that back to my pastor in Pennsylvania, submitted that to him. He's like, this is the Lord and move forward in that. And so since 2014, this door of going back to Liberia where my grandparents served and many other former missionaries in Liberia had served, we began learning everything we could about what was going on there. And I went for the first time in, in 2015 and came back and uh, reported to Vince McCarty, our director of global missions, what I was seeing on the ground. See, Liberia had been devastated by 24 years of coups and civil wars. Over one and a half million refugees, over 200,000 people slaughtered in a country about the size of Pennsylvania. 
And the missionaries left in 1981, and that's about when all the coups, the coups started in the country. So what I saw was a lot of our open Bible work there devastated and destroyed. And so what we're going to do uh, when we go back is to help them to rebuild in that process. But uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go in, in 2016, and uh, Vince McCarty was actually there on the ground with us. It was a divine appointment. He had emailed me uh, actually before we went and asked if we wanted to go with him. And the dates that he proposed in there were the dates we were already going to be there. And uh, while, as we were there on the ground and he saw the need, he said there's a need to send missionaries back to Liberia to help them to rebuild. And uh, so many things that I could share. You know, when we read the Bible, um, I, we're reading highlights, you know, of, of what God's doing. You know, there's key landmarks. God has a way of getting us on the path that he wants for us. There's so many different things that we could share, but another key moment for us was um, when we came back in 2016, our pastors, we sat down with them in our living room, and she had a vision. And the vision was us of us on a basketball team, and we were like the point guard, working with these different groups. And so here we are working with a nonprofit called Love Liberia Missions. We were trying to connect Open Bible USA with Open Bible in Liberia and different, and different groups there. But they, they told us that we had their blessing. And that may not sound like a lot to you, but it means a lot when in 2002 I went to my pastor and I said to him, after the Lord had spoken to me, I was supposed to submit to my pastor. I told him, I will not leave this house. I will not leave this church without your blessing. And I said, if I never answer the call of God on my life, so be it. I'm trusting that God is able to speak through the leaders that he has put over me that God told me to submit to. And uh, so that's kind of where we've lived. That was in, uh, the call was in, in 2000, 2002. I said, I'm going to submit to the Lord. And so here we are. We've had 17 years and God's been opening the door. And God's been confirming it through leaders in Open Bible and through our pastors. And so I like to say that it gives us a Godfidence to do what he's called us to do. Because where he calls, you know, we, we like these cliches where he calls, he's going to provide. You know, we, we're believing that. But we, we, we don't, you know, we wouldn't do this in the natural. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We were perfectly fine in our house, making good progress. I was a teacher. I had a steady income. We had gotten to the place where I had more uh, at the end of the month than I needed. Uh, it took quite a while. But, you know, we weren't rich, but, you know. We don't, we, you do it because that's what God has called us to do. It's that next step that he has. It would be an act of dis disobedience for us not to go. As my wife shares, like the cloud was moving, the cloud was shifting, and there was a confirmation between us. And I want to have my wife come up and just share uh, how the Lord worked in her heart to make her willing to go to such a place like Liberia, because it's not America. <laughs> So unlike my husband, I did not have the privilege of growing up hearing these grand adventurous stories of missionary life. I didn't grow up having these seeds of a missionary mindset planted in me. I mean, I grew up in a, a Christian home, but the seeds weren't planted. So that had to be a process. There needed to be a birthing process that that needed to take place. Because if he had the call and I didn't have the call, how many of you know that a house divided against itself is going to fall? And so we don't want that for our lives. You know, we want to be planted on a firm foundation that is going to stand. And so, okay, Lord, here I am. I got to get with the program. You got you to gotta plan.
plant some seeds in me because so when we got married, I'm sitting there listening to my husband's grandparents and his aunts and his dad share these stories and I'm sitting there going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I don't get it. No, really, I didn't get it. I didn't get what it was that was pouring out of them. I didn't get their passion. I didn't understand why they fell in love with these people and this place and these foreign concepts. Like, I just didn't get it. So part of the little girl that you see in the picture there, part of um, me being able to go in 2016, I met this little girl. Um, She was part of the beginnings of that birthing process or those seeds being planted. Um, This little girl is probably six or seven months old, old enough to crawl, but not old enough to walk. Her playpen is the dirt ground. I'm watching her, sitting there watching her, and she's putting rocks in her mouth and, you know, handfuls of dirt, and she's just completely covered from head to toe with dirt. And her diaper is a plastic bag. And I'm going, okay, this is me and my American mindset. I'm going, ew, Lord, she's filthy. And in that moment, the Lord began to drop in my spirit. You know what? You were filthy once, too. I picked you up. I cleaned you up. And I held you. And I'm telling you, I got this little girl in my arms, and my heart melted. And I began to understand what it was that his grandparents were talking about. I began to have their heartbeat. I got it. I walked away from those three weeks that we were there, and I'm just going, okay, I understand what it was they were so enamored with. It makes sense. It makes sense. And so I am excited to be able to go and to answer the call, and that's really what our lives have been about is just, okay, Lord, what is it you have for us to do? And then stepping out in that. You know, my husband likes to say that success in the kingdom of God is just being obedient to what it is that the Lord has called you to do. And it's, it's as simple as that. You know, um, so I want to give my kids the chance to be able to share their little stories here. I'm Kirsten, and I'm nine. We um, were making these bags with notebooks, pens, and bracelets in them because they can't use pencils because of the humidity. It kind of rips and leaks through the paper. So, yeah, we were putting these little bags together, and we filled these big suitcases with all these little bags, and when mom and dad went, they passed them out to the kids. Hello, I'm Ian, and I'm 12 years old, and uh, the picture on your right, or left, sorry, (laughs) is um, dad's making us the media crew, so when we go to Liberia, we'll be taking pictures and videos and sending them or bringing them back to you. And it's, it's just been such a blessing to see what God's been doing in my life through my family and through 
all of you and everybody else that we've met in the past. Hello, I'm Kayla. I'm 10. Sorry, I have a birthday coming up and I forgot. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, we had the opportunity to be able to go to Mexico and going and seeing what a mission field is going to be like and being able to experience that has truly made me and all of us even more excited to go to Liberia. So, um, yeah. We also have a table in the back with some Liberian stuff. We have an elephant's tail back there, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. I have a, a good family. I'm so thankful for the Lord. You know, when we follow the Lord, when we obey his word, you see the fruit of that. And uh, just so blessed. Um, proud of my kids, you know. And uh, I don't always share this, but I shared that verse about declaring the praises of God. And uh, Junio Emery, who's a regional um, director's wife, um, she had prophesied over us in Open Bible East. We were at a, a dinner, and she shared about how generations of missionaries were going to come out of us and they were going to open doors to other people and uh, that our kids were going to see firsthand the miracles of God you know and uh, that's exciting it's exciting we've been taught over the years to write down what God has spoken you know we record it and write it down and rehearse it you know and so it's just one of those promises that I, I, I uh, can't wait to, to see that um, take place um, but Liberia is located on the west coast of Africa. It's known as Little America. That's why you notice the, the red, white, and blue that's there. Um, it's actually a place where freed slaves from the United States were sent uh, or went of uh, their own free will to Africa, and they were established as a republic government there in Africa, modeled after our own. And uh, we helped to establish them with financial means and, and all of that. And so for a long time, Liberia was once a leading country in Africa. Um, but unfortunately, with all the civil wars and coups, it's now bringing up the rears. And so as I shared earlier, um, part of what we're going to be doing is focusing on trying to rebuild the work that is there. We're both teachers. Um, we met in college. We were both runners in college, met through a Bible study, and God just kind of started bringing us together. We knew even before we got married that God had purposes and plans beyond just for our own benefit of being married, but together in ministry. But Anyway, we created a, an acronym using the letters of Liberia just to give you an overview of some of the things we're going to be doing, some objectives of some of the things we're going to be doing. But ultimately, it's about sharing the love of Jesus. It's about pouring out what he's put into us. We want to be filled and overflowing. We want to see that people are on fire for God uh, while, you know, while we're there. We want to minister as many people as possible. Most of our stories that we share come from face-to-face -face experiences with pastors or strangers as you're walking or trekking through the jungle or, or whatever. So, but just to kind of give you a taste of some of the things we're going to be doing, the L um, stands for leaders. And what I found in, in 2015 was that we had leaders that were not equipped, uh, even with the word of God. We had some leaders that didn't have the full copy of God's word. All they had was a Gideon New Testament, and they were traveling and sharing that Gideon New Testament in order to preach. And we had one pastor that was preaching out of a Jehovah's Witness tract. And um, I shared that with, with Vince when I came back in 2015. But when we went in 2016, we took as many Bibles as we could. And we also took uh, We Believe doctrinal books. 
We're working on trying to get in-state up and running there. They started a school this last year named after my grandfather, Robert G. Welch Bible Institute, a little more oral learning because uh, their education there is poor, which you hear more about. But we want to make sure that the leaders there are equipped not only to evangelize, but then to edify the church. And so that's one of the main things that we'll be focusing on. I have trouble with mics, so what can I say? Um, so our letter I, our first letter I, is for um, infrastructure. There, in 2014, Monrovia, is the capital city, was declared by the UN the poorest capital city in the entire world. And since 2014, has remained in the top five of poorest capital cities. And from the pictures, you can see why. Both of these pictures are taken um, in and around the capital city. Um, they, they have the predominantly, um, their electricity is done on generators. They, in the last year, just got up two hydroelectric plants. Praise God for that. Um, but it only supplies uh, electricity to 2% of the population. So we still have a long way to go. Um, in, in getting things up and running. So here's some example of some of their shower facilities and bathing facilities. How many of y'all look like, you know, want to use that, those bathrooms? Um, the toilet there is actually in a house that we're looking at possibly renovating interior that we could possibly be staying in. So my husband jokes around. He's like, yeah, my wife really wants to use that toilet. Um, <laughs> listen, it's all right. I will if I need to. Um, and these are examples of the beds that the kids slept in in the pastor's house that we stayed in interior on the mission. And these kids have it good because they're in a concrete house with concrete floors and a metal roof. And they have actual beds. Um, we stayed on a mat very similar to what you see there when we stayed with this pastor. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, they get over 200 inches of rain a year, so transportation is challenging. Uh, uh, many of their roads are dirt roads. They only have three paved roads in the country, which are between three of their major cities. Everything else is dirt, and they t completely turn into mud pits during the rainy season, and their rainy season is nine months. So, <laughs> yeah. So when we, um, when we were there, the national field director does not have any means of transportation right now, other than, I shouldn't say that, they don't have a vehicle. Um, we were able to help provide them with at least a motorcycle to get around. Um, we had to purchase motorcycles while we were there because they, had to, they borrowed a vehicle and took us interior and said, see you later, have fun getting around. So yeah, we bought a motorcycle and, and went in, in, in and around to the different churches. Um, they are sustenance living, so what you can fish for, hunt for, gather, or farm, you eat. Yes, we did eat the snail. Actually, we had two of them while we were there. Um, and the bush cow here that you see laying in the dirt, how many of y'all just, that just looks appetizing to you? <laughs> I had one. Yeah, I have two, three. All right. We would have. We didn't. We didn't actually eat that. Um, that was just. We were traveling through a village, and can I just tell you, it was as if manna had just dropped from heaven. They're like, "Oh, we just killed this bush cow, and we want you to stay because it's enough to feed the whole village." And we're, they were just so excited, you know. And we're just like, "Oh, we're really sorry. We're just passing through. We have another church to go to," you know. 
Um, but we would have eaten it. If they would have cooked it and, and made it, we would have eaten it. But I got to tell you, it does give you a whole new meaning to praying over your food before you eat. Uh, so the, the B stands for the buildings. We have 33 charter churches right now. They also have what they call preaching points. But uh, many of the churches were burned down. This church on the right, you can see the foundation was burned down with people inside, and this pastor witnessed that. And uh, uh, they have been able to rebuild that church. But uh, here on the left-hand side, you can see uh, a picture of the rain that's there. And uh, many of the, the churches, the roofs are in need of repair. They couldn't come and fellowship uh, like they would be able to here. You know, I'm thankful this roof wasn't, this roof wasn't leaking. Um, but you can see on the, pa- uh, the, on the right, this is Pastor Moses Phillips. Uh, it's a more of a bush uh, village church, interior church. It's uh, with mud and some zinc metal. The reason why I picked this was because they are actually already have another structure that's right up the hill from that. It was built many, many years ago. The concrete's there. They already have the wood uh, to, to do that, to, to build that structure. They don't have the zinc metal for that, maybe some of the tools and know-how, but you see a lot of that. There's some, uh, two of our other open Bible churches um, where they're trying to repair the wall on the one on the left, and the right one, they're trying to replace the mud structure. The rain just really beats on the mud, and it's constantly collapsing and having to rebuild. So the concrete structures that were built there um, prior by missionaries and on the mission, we have a 300-acre mission there in Liberia, those structures are, are sound if the bush hasn't engulfed them. But, uh, so we're wanting to make sure that everyone there has a place to be able to come and to worship the Lord and to be fed the Word of God. Um, so buildings is a part that we're going to be working on. Okay, so our letter E is for education. There were... 14 years of no education system in the country uh, because of the civil wars and the coups and whatnot. So we are dealing with an entire generation that is illiterate. This includes our pastors. So can you imagine trying to pass on the next generation of, um, you know, the word of God to the next generation if you can't read it? How can you rightly divide it? So this is some of the challenges we're facing. We are looking at some possibilities. Um, orally, but just different ways and being creative of how can we get these people educated to be able to rightly divide the word of God. Um, this sign makes us chuckle. This, my husband took this picture and it was two hours down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. Okay, it says reading elevates your mind. The people who should be able to read this can't read it. So I, we, just have to, we just have to chuckle because we think there's probably better ways to spend the money than that, but that's okay. Um, our, our bi- one of our big projects is going to be um, working on the adult literacy piece, um, and education is a big thing for us. Like, like Drew had said, we're both teachers by training. Um, so when we were there, the fir- or when I was there the first time, it would have been his second trip, we were able to do a teacher workshop to, to train teachers. Um, they just, they need a lot of help in that area, so we're looking forward to that. But um, this is a picture of one of the missions um, classes, the school on the mission. We've got seven schools and just over 2,000 students. Um, and I just wanted to pack these kids up and take them home in my suitcase. They just were so adorable. Can, can we just bring them home, you know? But, um, yeah. The R stands for resources. Everything that was built there was pretty much built with American dollars when the formal missionaries were there. And to, to have that whole infrastructure destroyed 
from Civil War. For them to rebuild on their own, they are making progress, but um, we're, we're, we have some funds at our disposal to help with some of the projects and things like that, but we also want to put some self-help projects in place. Uh, we're looking at schools. Schools in the cities make money because the, the public schools are terrible. Um, so those that have, which aren't many, but they, they send their kids to the private schools and uh, actually help support the church. We're also looking at utilizing 300 acres of land um, on, the, on the mission interior, some different farming projects and water filtration as some possible things. There's other things, taxis and, and whatever else. But we're praying for wisdom as to what's going to work so that they can generate income so they can be self-sufficient, self-sustaining as much as possible. Our letter I is for immeasurable protection and provision. This is an example of our flight pattern on the way into the capital city of Monrovia. All right, it is torrential downpours. They had to abandon, their, or they had to abort their landing once. The figure eight you see there, we did twice. And can I just tell you, the entire plane, which was predominantly Liberians by the time we you know, were on this flight, they just, but when we landed, they just lit up in, in full out cheer. Thank you, Lord, because we didn't know whether or not we were going to land. Um, along with, with uh, challenges in, in air, you've got challenges on land. Um, so the critters are everywhere. Um, this is an, ex they have, um, like, this is a termite hill, and then the snakes are real big in Liberia. Um, this is an example of they call this the monkey bridge, okay? And I kid you not, you have to be half of a monkey in order to cross it because it literally is sticks in the ground or it literally is logs laying kind of in the water and sticks shoved in the mud on either side. They're not nailed in. They're not attached to anything. So you're balancing on these logs trying to walk through. And if you fall or you slip, those sticks are not going to help you. You are going to end up in the drink. And so we were very thankful to have the Liberians carrying our cameras because we didn't really know if we were going to end up on the, in the water on the other side. Um, but thankfully, we made it safe. The uh, pastor that you see here, he's on the right-hand side in the blue shirt. He goes through those swamps, through, through the monkey bridge, um, and it, it is a two-hour walk for him one way, and he travels that every Sunday to be able to preach the word of God to these people because he said, he tells us, they need the word of God. And that's, I think, the biggest drawing card for, for us is that these people desire to spread the gospel. The fruit that the missionaries had planted years ago, it still remains, and it's still sweet. So we are just looking forward to be able to go and just watch that fruit continue and to prosper. The last letter, the A, stands for just the anointing of God. You know, um, there, there are spiritual battles taking place, whether that's here or over there, uh, just to pray with us as we go forth that we're going to see God confirm his word with signs, miracles, and wonders. These are three people that we prayed for that need healing in their bodies. Um, the gentleman in the middle had a stroke. The one on the right had like a bone infection disease. Um, young man on the left-hand side. Um, had an infection on his foot, basically going lame in that leg. You see so many things there that you wouldn't see here, whether it's through, you know, immunizations or correct care or whatever. They just don't have those options. And so we're believing as we're in the middle of nowhere and we lay hands on people, we're going to see them recover. Um, and the next slide is just, you know, the examples of some 
um, reminders of this, the need of deliverance. There's a lot of demonic types of things still taking place in Africa. Cannibalism. Um, before I went the first time in 2015, these boats, uh, boat had capsized and they had eaten the organs. When the people drowned, they had eaten the organs, believing that they gained spiritual power through that. And my grandparents um, share stories of coming into contact with what you see on the right, like a bush devil or a witch doctor, which is still very active. Uh, there's different ones take the young girls into the bush. They call them greedy girls, do female circumcision and other things like that. And so we want to offer other opportunities for those young girls that are oftentimes orphans, uh, possibly on the mission and so forth. You're going to need to come probably over here in the light. I'll step back. But uh, my kids are rolling out a snakeskin. This snakeskin is a boa constrictor snake. This is probably a 40, 50-year-old skin. This is my grandparents' skin. It actually comes from the mission I've been talking about. There was a goat that went missing, and some of the orphan boys went to go find uh, the goat. And instead of finding the goat, they found this snake, and uh, it had swallowed the goat whole. And they don't waste much over there. It was, the snake was actually four feet longer than this. They killed the snake. They ate the snake. They ate the goat. And I'm told that the goat was pregnant, and they ate the baby goat too. They ate it all. But as we've, been, as we've been traveling, we just like to share it as a reminder to pray for us that God's anointing <laughs> is going to be upon us. The Bible says that he has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And we know it's by the anointing that yokes are broken. We know that the devil is that ancient serpent, and God has called us to trample on the serpents. He's called us to crush Satan, Right? Through the blood of Jesus, we want to we see strongholds broken. And so we're just so thankful for you all uh, just opening your doors to us, our hearts, your hearts to us. Uh, we do have a table back there with a flyer that has this information on there, ways you can connect with us. We're on Facebook, um, our email. We have a newsletter that we send out regularly. But I uh, just really want to thank you. And specifically thank you for providing a vehicle for us. You saw the, the type of terrain we're dealing with. So just pray that we have um, the right vehicle that's going to last us for a long time in ministry over there. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> I think it's easy for us to sit and go, wow, what a, you know, I could never do that or would never do that or, wow, they're making such a sacrifice. And to every missionary I've ever talked to, they've never seen it as a sacrifice, but as the call of God upon their life to simply do as they said, to be obedient to that. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I say this a lot when we talk about missions. Not everybody can go and not everybody's called to go, but all of us are called to do something in terms of supporting missions. And, and I want to again to affirm you as a church that uh, I'm just so proud to be in this community with you because um, uh, a lot of churches now would say, well, let's receive an offering. And I'm not going to do that because you give it our harvest offering. And um, we do that because when people come to church, they'll always say something like, you know, whenever we go to church, all they ever do is talk about money or want to get our money or whatever. And so we have set up a way that, because of your generosity, 
we can do a lot of different things for missions. You know, we give $150,000 away every year. And so we were able to purchase a vehicle for them and we will do some support for them uh, based on being here today. Yeah. I'm sorry, I take that for granted sometimes because it's just so natural that you do that. And, uh, and I just thank God for the generosity of your hearts. Here's what I will invite you to do. Some of us have a, a, a generosity bone in us, and it really is a gift. The Bible talks about it. And I'm not asking anyone to do this. I'm just, I'm just kind of laying the invitation out if that's you because as I sit here, I think, you know, I've got to do something just personally beyond what I would usually do. And uh, so here's what I would encourage you to do. They're going to be back at their table. And uh, just discreetly, uh, if, if that's you, and nobody please, because I, like I said, I think I've only done this two times in 26 years. But if, if, if you kind of have that bone, that Jones about you that says, you know, I just like to gift them with something, just put a bill in your hand and kind of shake their hand and, and give it to them. And, don't, and make sure it's not a PG and E thing. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, well, let's bless them. But, uh, you know, maybe the Lord just says, you know, you got some coin or some, uh, you know, something in your pocket and um, you just want to bless them. Please feel free to do that and, you know, just be open to that. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, folks, for coming today. And, um, and maybe uh, young people, middle-aged people, old people, maybe you're here today. And maybe there's something of what was said or that you saw that kind of quickens your pulse. And your first thought is, ah, I could never do that. You hear the calling of God, and I pray that we send out pastors now. I pray that, and we're sending, actually we've sent out some missionaries now. But I pray that God will send out more from our church. It's not our seating capacity, it's our sending and serving. So I'm going to pray that God would do that. Father, we come today, Lord, there's a lot of young people in this church in this service, in this church. And I pray, Lord, that you would raise up a new generation of people that are committed, Lord, to the call of the gospel to reach those who are far from you in this world. And I thank you, Lord, for the Welches. I thank you, Lord, for their children. I pray, Lord, that from their loins, from who they are, that there would be a, not just simply an addition, but a multiplication of people that would go forth and, and say, Lord, uh, send me wherever. And I pray, Lord, that Creekside would be a part of that sending. And you'd raise up young people from this church. Quicken their hearts today, Lord. And Lord, I just give you thanks for that. And thanks for the blessing we have of being here. In Jesus' name, we give thanks. Everybody said amen. amen. Bless the Welches and go get your kids.